0: Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 285 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. What a very cold week we're having. Minus 5 degrees Celsius overnight and it's left me shivering. No movement from any hives as our bees sit out the cold and hefting is about all we should be doing right now. Me, I'm having a cuppa and planning the start of my new season and I thought I would share my top tip for spring splits, swarm management and frame replacement. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Before I get started this week, here's a word about the 2024 Beekeeping Show, who sponsor in part this week's podcast. After last year's huge success, I'm very excited to let you know that tickets for the beekeeping show are now available online at ww.thebeekeeping Join us at the Premier Beekeeping Show on Saturday, the 24th of February, 2024, at Telford International Centre a convenient central location, free parking and more than 50 exhibitors. We hope to see you there. Tickets at www.thebeekeepingshow.co.uk Hi everyone, it's all a bit chilly here at the Norfolk Honey Company HQ, otherwise known as my office at home. The week just gone has been pretty well set cold. Most mornings I've woken to a frosty start and last night the temperature dipped to minus 5 degrees Celsius here in Norwich, so I imagine out in the countryside it's been colder than that. The effect of the cold has been a major slowing down of any activity in our apiaries by me or the bees. That said, when the sun did get to shine, the air temperature in some of our sheltered apiaries rose sufficiently to allow the bees to get out on cleansing flights and for an all too brief moment the apiary was alive with bees before quickly shutting back down. For the most part there's not much to be done around the bees, certainly any ideas of inspecting should be dismissed before they even begin to form a serious thought in your mind. What's done is done though and the bees are best left alone. For me here in Norfolk the forecast is now for a prolonged period of seasonally average-ish temperatures but combined with some light rain so it looks like it's going to be a damp couple of weeks ahead. Not the greatest conditions for our bees but most will cluster tightly to endure the cold and damp and then break out once they get a little winter warmth from the sun. That's what we really need some winter sunshine during the days to warm and dry the hives, a short break for the bees to get out, and then cluster back together for the overnight lows. It was cold enough for the fishing lakes to begin freezing this week, a sure sign of continuously cold weather. Amazingly, there were anglers fishing down there still. I say fishing, I think they were freezing more than fishing but I have to remind myself that I too once was that foolish. I remember spending an overnight fishing session with a very close friend of mine and in the evening, because it was so cold, we had our gas stove on to warm the air around us. My friend allowed his boots to get a little too close and they melted. Can you believe it? The following morning, the lake was frozen solid and there was nothing to do but pack up and go home the things we'll do in the name of our hobbies i guess beekeeping is no different really spending long hot summer days wearing a bee suit hood up veil in place hot smoker in hand being chased down the garden path by angry bees i'm not sure who's more foolish to be honest the anglers or the beekeepers anyway i wouldn't swap back i love what i do now and can't ever see a time when i won't keep bees. That said, I do have to plan ahead, and the ongoing back troubles that I have have kind of made me think that I need to be sensible about how the growth of the business in terms of colony numbers goes, and that in turn got me thinking about planning for next year. I'd like to share some of my plans with you all because it kind of keeps me focused, really. If I've told you, then I have to at least make a decent attempt at following them through. Plans obviously are made to change and be adapted as circumstances arise but having something written down does help keep the focus on the new season ahead. Even if you have just one hive, make a plan, write it down and prepare for the spring when our colonies will once again burst into life. Maybe you want your one hive to sensibly become two or three It's always good to have a backup hive just in case the one colony you do have develops a problem or swarms or simply doesn't grow just as fast as it should. Here's the first part of my plan for next year beginning with the development of colonies into double brood in preparation for splitting. For me I need to prepare colonies for our planned crop pollinations once more. We have oilseed rape in the spring, borage in the summer and finally we will be taking some bees back to the heather despite it being such a challenge this year. We also have a decent number of colonies to prepare for sale as well as getting a number of nucleus colonies ready to act as backup to the main honey production colonies that we intend for each of our pollination crops. So how do I plan to do this? Well first off we really have got to sit on our hands and wait out the winter. I anticipate some winter losses, but would hope that to be between 5 and 10%, and no more really. On current numbers, that may be as many as 12 or 13 colonies lost to the winter. To that, I am very aware that we have a number of colonies that are currently in isolation with possible chronic bee paralysis virus, and that could be as many as 16 although the last checks showed many of those had no signs of the virus and may well have shaken it off somehow. But let's go with the worst case scenario for now. Anything less and it will be a bonus for me. Maybe then we might lose as many as 24 colonies in total through winter losses and chronic bee paralysis virus. Not great by any stretch of the imagination but manageable in terms of what will remain will be healthy and growing colonies next spring. That might leave us with perhaps 95 to 105 colonies in total. The bulk of these colonies are at the fishing lakes to overwinter. The benefit for me here is having a lot of colonies in one spot so that there's no real driving to various apiaries scattered across the county and the benefit for the bees is when we hit the spring there'll be a bountiful supply of willow pollen once more for them to use to build up their colonies. All of these colonies will go on to the oilseed rape in some form or another simply to grow and will make quite a large number of them into double brood. I've talked about this method at the association talks that I've given this winter as I think it's one of the best methods we've used to the general benefit of both bees and beekeeper. Let me explain. During the spring we have the challenge of growing colonies, the urge to swarm, oilseed rape flowering and subsequently granulating in the supers much to the frustration of many beekeepers and also a need to swap out older frames perhaps with replacement foundation. Spring is definitely my favourite time to perform splits too That's splitting colonies for increase or sometimes simply for swarm management. Combining all of these tasks means we, the beekeeper, can take advantage of the sudden increase in forage and encourage our colonies to grow. We can swap out frames and have nice new comb drawn out and remove that old nasty comb that's often forgotten. And of course the bees get more space by having fresh foundation to develop into brood comb. The double brood setup in the spring works perfectly for helping with all of this. You will need additional equipment, but it's so worth it. Let me explain, and here I'm looking at it from the perspective of a beekeeper with a single hive. First off, the additional equipment. Grab yourself another hive complete with feeder and a couple of supers. Winter sales or the spring convention here in the UK would be a great place to get a bargain. Make up the hive and frames, fit the frames with foundation, and set it all aside in your shed, ready for the spring nectar to begin. Let's make an assumption that you were given the hive last year. The comb in the brood box is okay, but several frames could be replaced to the benefit of the colony. Now, overwintered colonies will be in a variety of setups for the spring single brood, super above, super below, no super. All manner of different configurations. So I'm going to split everything down and just have a floor, brood box, crown board, and roof. Let's also pretend that I'm using a national hive, but this method works well with just about every setup you might have. On a warm spring day, check the state of the colony, check for eggs, and assess the general size of the colony. If it's filling the brood box with bees, then we can proceed. If not I would wait a week or two because we want to have plenty of bees but not yet them throwing up queen cells. Drone brood would also be a good sign. If they're well stocked with bees simply remove a frame of sealed brood from this existing brood box, squeeze all the frames together and add a frame of foundation to one side. Add the second brood box on top without adding a queen excluder and pop the frame of sealed brood into the middle of the top box. Add the crime board and the roof. Providing there's a decent amount of pollen coming in you shouldn't need to add a feeder but sometimes if the weather turns cold a feeder would be a good option. Over the next couple of weeks the bees will gradually draw out the foundation, the queen will move up and start laying eggs in those new frames And the population will grow to cover all of the frames adequately. The oilseed rape by this time will be in flower, and the bees will utilise this to produce wax and store some of the nectar as honey in the brood frames, both top and bottom box. Once the colony has drawn out the foundation to the outside frames, I add a queen excluder and supers, usually two drawn supers or one of foundation. By this time, probably early to mid-May, the overnight temperatures will have warmed and we won't be suffering any further sharp frosts. It's these frosts that drive the bees back down into the brood nest area, exposing the oilseed rape in the supers to the cold and sudden granulation, the bane of the spring beekeeper's life. If we follow this method, we just don't seem to get any granulation in the supers and can safely extract the honey retaining the drawn comb in readiness for the summer flow. More of that another time. Firstly let's finish the process of our double brood split as a new beekeeper with just one hive. It's mid to late May obviously this is all going to depend on the weather for the spring but let's say it's mid to late May and the bees have now drawn out the top brood box and are starting to fill the super with oilseed rape honey. Yet despite my best efforts, they've decided to throw up a few queen cells in order to swarm. No need to panic, in fact this is just what we're looking for. At this inspection we set up another hive stand and floor in the same apiary just a few metres away. It doesn't really matter how far, just not too close so that the bees get confused. Let's say five meters away because I know someone will ask me the question. Remove the roof, supers and crime board, place a queen excluder on top of the super and it will still have the crime board on because we haven't inspected that super as yet. Then lift the top brood box off the lower one and place it squarely on the queen excluder so if the queen is in there she won't be able to sneak down or around the queen excluder and into the super. Inspect the top brood box, the one now sitting on top of the queen excluder and super. Look for the queen and any queen cells. If you find the queen, perfect, carry her across to the original brood box and run her in between the frames or remove a couple of frames and replace it With the one you have the queen on. Removing more than one frame will give you enough space to ease the frame in with the queen on it back into that brood box without crushing her. Take the top brood box across to the new hive stand and floor and place it on that floor. What you have now is a queen right colony in the original position and a queenless colony in the new hive position It's a little bit like an artificial swarm, but with all the frames drawn out and active instead of frames of foundation. Work through the original colony that's queen right, take out up to four nasty old combs, these will usually be outside frames filled with food, and replace them with frames of foundation. Check the newly created queenless colony for any queen cells, and if you find some Remove all but one. Add a super, crime board, and roof. And then go back to the original queen right colony. Inspect this colony for queen cells and remove them all, or alternatively, make up a queenless nuke using three frames one of brood and two of food. Make sure your queen remains in the original hive position, though you don't want to lose her into a nuke. If this feels like a step too far, simply remove all of the queen cells. What you have now are two colonies, one queen right with the original queen and a queenless colony with a single queen cell. The flying bees will all head back to the original hive, boosting the numbers in there, continuing to forage and they'll produce a fine crop of spring honey with no granulation both colonies will need to be checked further for Queen Cells the following week. If you find Queen Cells in the original Queen colony, I would take out the original Queen and leave them with a single Queen Cell. If you find Queen Cells in the Queenless Hive, I would remove them all except for the original Queen Cell that you selected the previous week. Within a few weeks, the new Queen will be laying and developing her own colony while the old colony should now be carrying on as normal but with several new frames of drawn comb giving them much needed space for the queen to lay her eggs in, hopefully removing the need for them to swarm. This method has worked well for me over the past couple of seasons, so well in fact that it's reduced swarming and we've produced a fine crop of oilseed rape honey that can be extracted and allows us to build colony numbers for the summer honey production. If you're looking for a simple method to reduce spring granulation, increase colony numbers, replace queens from your own stocks and generally have an untroubled spring, then I fully recommend this method to you. Just make sure to explain the process to your bees so that they don't upset the apple cart by doing something completely different more of my plans for next year and the weeks to come perhaps but for now that's it for today don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates tips and techniques it's the same patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash norfolk honey and remember i'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet